Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th. We'll meet you in The Briefing Room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com And welcome back to Scarred for Life, the podcast where we open up old wounds by looking back at the films that scared us as kids. I'm Terry. And I'm Mary Beth. Each episode, our special guest will bring them a movie that traumatized them as a child. This week, our special guest is Keola Rosella, the writer-director of numerous short films. His debut feature film, Porno, was picked up by Fangoria and will have its release on VOD on, Mar- on May 8th. Welcome to the show! Thank you for having me. Yeah. I'm so happy Yay. you're here. Yay. <laughs> and we've all been uh, kind of surviving the quarantine. <laughs> yeah. Sure have. Yeah. So before we talk about porno, which is a movie everyone should see, um, how did you get into the horror genre? Like, have you always been a fan or is it a new thing? Like, tell us about your horror journey. Yeah. Well, I think for the most part, I was not a huge fan of horror growing up, uh, due in large part to this film we're about to uh, talk about. (laughs) And (laughs) I, I, yeah, I was just, uh, just terrified of horror films. It was, you know, I grew up a lot in um, a video rental uh, places and I would, you know, just avoid the aisle. Like my life depended on it. Oh, Um, really? Yeah. I, I, I mean, there was one video store we used to go to that had a, uh, a poster for that film Ghoulies. I don't know oh, if you yeah. remember. The- <laughs> oh, we <laughs> talked about that. We talked about Ghoulies. <laughs> talked about Ghoulies. <laughs> I don't, it was just it was right at the entrance, so I was not able to avoid looking at it. And the poster has this monster that's like peeking out of the toilet. And I oh, was yeah. like, is nothing sacred? I mean, not even the toilet is safe. This is insane. <laughs> get um, you in the end. And, I, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, I stayed away from them for the most part. But movies were such a huge part of my life um, that it wasn't until I was kind of like in my middle teenage years 
uh, that I really started to kind of like get into horror films. I mean, maybe for some people, like that's a normal time, but I've been watching movies, you know, just a kind of like crazy um, consumer of films for so long. It felt like a long time to avoid something. Um, mm-hmm. And it was, it was actually through horror comedies that I started to, to, to really get into it. So oh, okay. it's kind of fitting that we, that we, that we made this film. Um, yeah, but yeah, absolutely. So um, on the other side of things, have you always wanted to be involved in the film industry or how did that, how did you get that bug? Yeah. So uh, like I said, film is always a huge part of my life. And mm-hmm. um, I went to undergrad at UC Santa Cruz and, they had a very small production track. I tried to do one class, uh, and I was um, just shamed out of it by my other classmates. And so oh I did not. Yeah, we had to do an, we had to do this exercise, and I was chosen as the editor. And so I I had no idea what I was doing, and I I I cut this film that we were supposed to be working on to a Bell and Sebastian song, and everybody's um, like, what? "Hell yeah." <laughs> I feel I like that. the professor, um, maybe reacting to how harshly my classmates were treating me, was like, no, this is pretty good. But uh, I was just like, okay, so <laughs> making movies is not for me. <laughs> oh, um, no. <laughs> and so, I, you know, I, I, I did film studies instead. So, you know, like academic readings and, you know, watching of films. And through that, I was able to see so many, you know, amazing films. Um, but I really felt like, well... No one's going to, like, give me permission to make a film because obviously I'm bad at it. Um, And so, yeah, it's just stayed that way for a while. But uh, I started – I got so I got a film studies degree and I didn't really know what to do with it. I was kicking around for a while after I graduated. And every summer I would teach this uh, at the summer program, which is like a college preparatory program for um for high school kids and they let me teach a film class and it was like a film studies class like a film appreciation class so we'd watch films and talk about them and then one year they let me teach a filmmaking class and i had no idea what i was doing but we all kind of just like dug in and i was like oh man this is this is really this is really fun and uh one of the other teachers there was like i think you're a filmmaker like you should make films i was like no i don't think so um and so i yeah i so i did not do that um but then i got (laughs) so but then i got a job um i moved to new haven connecticut and got this job um because i'd been teaching at this nonprofit, teaching uh documentary filmmaking to kids who had either been kicked out of school or had been through the juvenile justice system oh cool Um, yeah, it was a, it's like a very transformative thing for me yeah. personally. Um, and so, you know, that program was all about empowering, uh, young people to use their voice. And so what we would do is we would get them together and then plan out these documentary films, these short documentary films, basically around the subjects, uh, or, or topics that led them to be either kicked out of school or to be incarcerated. We would make a film and then they would do organizing campaigns around those films. And so, you know, it was and none of these kids had any sort of inclination for filmmaking or thought it was at all possible or an avenue. And so, yeah, it was just about me like 
basically like being like, no, this anybody can do this. You just pick up a camera and you can make a film. And so <laughs> it kind of like in, in empowering those kids, I kind of like was like, you oh, found uh, yourself. Yeah. I was like, oh, I can do this too. <laughs> and so I worked there for like four years um, and then I applied to film school and that was kind of it. Wow. Cool. Wow. What a cool journey. Yeah. 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 Wow. yeah. So, yeah. So then I'm, yeah. Then I went to, I went to film school at Columbia. It was a grad school. And uh, that's where I met, uh, you know, basically the core team that behind porno. Yeah. So can you tell our listeners a little about porno? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Explain for now. So uh, basically it's a horror comedy about a group of kids who grew up in a Christian community that basically plays G or PG films. Um, And one night they discover a film reel in the basement of their theater. They decide to watch it and unleashes a succubus, which torments them. Hell yeah. Yeah. It's such an amazing premise. It's (laughs) such a good premise. It's wild. So how did the film come together? You talked about meeting people in grad school. So like, but how did porno itself come together? So it's kind of like not, it's not a really typical, uh, it's not really a typical story. So what happened was I was, after grad school, I was doing a lot of freelance work and kind of working on this screenplay, which I was like, this is definitely going to be my first feature. And I was very excited about it, but you know, juggling working and and writing, uh, is always difficult. And so I had yeah. Done. Um, I had amassed kind of like enough money to like go like stop freelancing and just really like drill down on the writing. I'd done these two infomercials for baking pans, <laughs> which paid very, <laughs> which really paid very well. And then I was like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to, Hell to, yeah. to, to finish this thing. Uh, and basically like right after I finished, I, got a call from Matt Lawrence, who are the writers of the film, and Chris Cole, who is a producer. And they were like, do you want to make a movie? And I was like, yes. And <laughs> and I said, what's the movie? They're like, we don't know. It's a horror movie. And I was like, great. What's this? What's the story? And they're like, we don't know. But, <laughs> but we're going to do it. <laughs> but there is a person willing to give us a very small amount of money to make a horror film. Do you want to direct it? And I said, absolutely. So... Hell I hope- yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, basically, I hoped the phone, I booked a plane ticket. I was living in New York at the time, um, and they were working in L.A. as a, a writing team. And I and I flew out. And it was a kind of thing where we were like, it had to be made. Like, the stipulation was it had to be made in a certain amount of time. Um, okay. And we were always kind of worried that, you know, <laughs> this kind of, I was like, is this real? And they were like, if we work fast, it's real. Like. If we, if we can do it, if we can shoot it before this person changes their mind, then we can make it real. So I was like, great. So I flew to LA. We stayed in an Airbnb for a week uh, and outlined the film. And then they wrote the first draft of the script in four days. Holy um, shit. Oh my God. Yeah. And so basically that was like July, August. Uh, and then we shot it in October, November. How, how long of a shooting schedule was it? It was 22 days. Wow. Yeah, so it was, it was, it was, uh, it was, we were just kind of running the whole time. And my attitude was kind of like, you know, I think a lot of people, especially coming out of film school, where you're, you're like, now I will make my grand statement or whatever about like <laughs> who I am as a filmmaker. You, you know, I think that any, uh, anybody who's a creative person is always, you know, trying to, to do something, something like that. I, I think we were, I, I treated it more as that kind of like, 
punk rock kind of thing where you're just like, you know, let's, it's a very like DIY kind of like, let's just do this uh, and make it awesome. And uh, yeah, that's kind of like, that's kind of how, how it came about. Cool. So kind of um, speaking about kind of the like the punk, a rock and roll type, just go and get it done. What I really enjoyed about porno is the actual porno inside of it, <laughs> because um, instead of being just like a, a typical porno, it um, it felt like I don't know if this is true, but it felt like it was kind of influenced by like Kenneth Anger and a lot of the um, avant garde filmmakers of the 60s and 70s. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's kind of like baked into the idea <clears throat> of the <laughs> of the script, which is like, you know, def- Kenneth Anger is like the number one influence. You know, we watched, um, oh shit, what's it called? Um, um, Incantation of My Demon Brother or Lucifer Rising? Or- yeah, um, uh, was it this? Is so funny, Rising? Scorpio, Scorpio Rising, not Scorpio, uh, but yeah, the um, Invocation of My Demon Brother. And the other one is, oh man, I have to look this up. This is so annoying. Um, but yeah, so de- definitely Kenneth Anger, who was himself like a Satanist uh, right. and, and uh, a queer filmmaker. And um, yeah. we, we're just kind of thinking about like, okay, so the idea is this is a, a haunted porno theater, right? But like, what's the, what is the thing that they would mistake? Like the the, the film that they watch inside uh, of, of porno is basically it's like a, a demonic film. And so we we're like, what is the, what is the kind of film that they would watch and think like, it's like that it was a porno and not like a demon summoning film. <laughs> and Kenneth Anger was like top of the list. So, yep. so yeah. yeah, I mean, that was, that, that was, that was definitely like our inspiration from the beginning. Yeah. Well, I, um, I actually re- was rewatching some of Kenneth Anger's films because I was, it's, it had been a while since I saw him and I was like, man, I definitely am seeing like Incantation of My Demon Brother in this. And like, I, if there's such, if, if listeners, if you haven't watched any of them, they're, they're actually up on, on YouTube, a lot of them. Oh, yeah. And the other one, I'm sorry. Uh, the other one is Inauguration of the Pleasure Dome, which, I was going to say, uh, which, yeah, is, okay. which is the, which is the main, the, like the main one, but also Invocation of My Demon Brother. But yeah, you can watch them in their entirety on YouTube. Which is surprising. Yeah. It's <laughs> but, um, in, in amazing. The thing I, I actually really enjoyed about this is that, like, um, I... But, okay, so, like, I, I grew up in 1981, so, like, I... It was, you know, when I was in my, like, t- young teenage years, porn wasn't as, like, readily available. And so, like, I remember, like, my first memories of porn were actually stumbling upon it in, like, the woods. Like, Yes! <laughs> it was, like, Why does everybody porn, have a story like, about yep. finding it in the yep. woods? Titties in the woods, man. Like that's how you find it. It's always yeah, like yeah. a creepy cabin or some shit, like some rundown shed, <laughs> or like hidden in a tree, like, like some sort of tree stump or something. You're like, yeah. <laughs> it just or like I, I would just find like torn out pages, like it was torn yes. pages of Play- Playboy or Hustler, and so like yes. in my mind that was like how I associate what porn was, and it's amazing. To, it's I, I think it's really funny to me to think that these this very repressed um, group of Christian kids. The first introduction to porn is this weird satanic avant-garde <laughs> demon stuff, and I think that's really hilarious. <laughs> like, talk about how that would like the people that survive how it's gonna like paint your idea of what porn is in the well, future. Yeah, I in know. more ways than one. I know, <laughs> No, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I, yeah, definitely. Like finding in the woods, s- scrambled cable. Uh, you know, mm. we would go over to like, like adult channels would be on the TV, but they, it would be like scrambled. So you would like go to your yep. friend's house late at night and you would like watch this like fuzzy channel. 
uh, and like <laughs> just looking for some sort of like recognizable human appendage. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> yeah, I see a breast. I see a breast. <laughs> <laughs> I think I saw something. Um, I also, I mean, and we can like, I, I don't want to like spoil anything. So like we can, we can cut this bit, but I also wanted to ask sure. you about Ricky. Yes. I, you know, on the second rewatch, like, cause I watched this last, last year for festivals and then I rewatched again for this podcast and mm-hmm. he felt like kind of the main character to me this time. Like our entry point is obviously chastity, but like this entire film seems to be about him accepting his sexuality. And I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, the theme of repression is maybe the biggest theme in the, in the film and, you know, him, uh, kind of like, coming to terms with his sexuality and the kind of like transgression uh, that uh, Chaz does to like, you know, really harm him. Um, mm-hmm. But not, but because she cares for him so much um, and kind of like overcoming that. Yeah. It's like a, it's a, the, I think the kind of the heart of the film, the secret heart of the film. Yeah. Yeah. And Glenn absolutely. Scott's performance is, is fantastic by the way. Oh, he's wonderful. I mean, the, the what's crazy is when we were casting the film, we ha- definitely had a very like big, I think the idea is that he was like a bigger meathead kind of guy. Um, but when he came in, I was just, you know, I was just kind of like moved by his audition. I was like, ah, this is the guy. You know, you just get that feeling when you're casting where you're like, this is, this is, this is the person. So yeah, he kind of just from the start was Ricky. He's, he's very charismatic. I, and I, I caught that a lot more this, this watch. He's just, this, the camera loves him. I mean, but your entire cast is, is absolutely fantastic. They're so funny. They're so good. The chemistry, like, was it like filming with them? Like, what was the chemistry like on set? Oh my God. They were so cute. I, of course, was like a mess because I was like, I was like, Oh my God. What are we doing? This is crazy. Um, we don't have any money to shoot any of this stuff. Um, but they were, they were just kind of like in love with each other and like they would just like hang out in our like little crafty like cafeteria area and just they were so sweet with each other and immediately had a kind of like camaraderie that I think, you know, truly like, comes through in the film so i feel like super yeah. super lucky as a as a director like one I, they were all super pro and you know and and amazing to work with but like you know you just kind of get lucky that they they have this kind of like ensemble chemistry and yeah. you know they were they were great on set and and when they weren't filming they were just kind of like winding each other up and they were <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> Evan and Larry who played Todd and Abe they you know they were everybody was like kind of like creating these backstories and Evan and Larry were just like Todd and Abe in the sequel will end up together as a couple I think and uh they were <laughs> <laughs> they have a very like uh, that kind of like playful relationship for yeah. sure yeah there's definitely uh, there's definitely a take where there's like a Todd and Abe scene and then um Evan who plays uh who plays Abe just leans over and kisses Todd the end. Oh my so god! Cute. I was like, That's "Oh amazing. man, I, w- I wish this could be in the film." It's so cute, but yeah, yeah. It was they were they were all just so wonderful and so game. It's awesome. So you've also talked about like a quick shoot, and you also talk about the the low budget. So how did you get the gore? Because let me tell you, there is, I'm not going to spoil it, but there is one particular gore gag that, oh like, every time I watch it, ties me up in painful knots. How did you get this on such so low budget? Because it looks fucking fantastic. 
I can't, I, you know, I, yeah, I, this is all I, you know, I feel like we, we were coasting on a lot of luck. Um, so a friend of mine shot his thesis film and in the film, this woman like cuts her own stomach open and like digs around with a pair of tweezers Ooh. and stuff. Uh, oh. And it, yeah, it's pretty gross, but he found this guy who was, who was, uh, who was not yet 21. I, I only remember that because, we had to buy him beer when we were on location. <laughs> oh <laughs> my god! Which I know is not legal, but um, and uh, we've all done that. We've all done it before. <laughs> well, he was part of the crew, but you know, he but he was he was so professional, you know, and and this the effects that he were that he was making were so good. And I was talking to him and he was like, yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm just kind of like, and it started in this kind of stuff. And uh, I, and I was like, dude, every person on this set is racking their brain, trying to figure out what they can write so they can use you. Cause you are so good. And he was, he was uh, amazing. And so that was like a couple of years before we shot this film. So when it came time to shoot the film, I was like, man, can we track down this guy? Can we track down this guy? And, you know, because uh, of the network of uh, film students, we found him and he uh, had just started a, a, like a little effect studio with his friend, and oh, cool. yeah, and so we w- we went out there. They're both mega, still mega young. They're just like in their early twenties, and uh, we went to their studio, which they were just setting up. And and uh, they were like, come over here and take a look at this. And on this table was this like exploded like human leg. And it was so realistic. I was just like, what the hell? They're like, we did this for Sicario too. And I was like, you guys did Sicario too? This is insane. Oh my God. And they were like, wow. No, no, we just did the leg. And I was like, we just sold. did the leg. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it was amazing. And so I was just like, perfect. You know, it's a kind of thing, especially when everybody's getting started out, you kind of want to find people who are at the same level as you are. And so it, they were right there. And it was it was just kind of like, again, a kind of brilliant luck that we found them there. They were they were amazing. They're amazing to work with. It makes me so happy because like, I feel in this time of, of computer graphics and CGI that special effects are like practical special effects are becoming a lost art so it's it's kind of cool to me that these young in their 20s are are making a special effects studio and making like these amazing practical effects i think that's that's really cool i'm glad to see it yeah absolutely i mean i feel like you know especially through the 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 like i don't know for the first like decade and a half of the 2000s there was so much of a shift to cgi stuff it really feels like people are swinging all the way back around in a I I hope so a great way a great way so so yeah I mean we didn't have a lot you know even though they were just starting out we still didn't have a ton of money so there are uh we kind of had to like pick and choose what we wanted them to do and so you know we had them really drill the drill down on the effects we did have them do (laughs) and uh yeah they 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 did an amazing job they really did um do we want to talk about what we've been watching lately sure so Terry what have you been watching? <laughs> um, <laughs> so I today watched, um, I watched Butt Boy. <laughs> okay. Okay. What is, How was what it? Is, How was it? What is Butt Boy? <laughs> it, is, <laughs> it is a movie that's coming out sometime in April. And <laughs> it is about this... <laughs> 
this married IT engineer who um, is living in a like, kind of a soulless existence, uh, married to a wife who doesn't really like him in a job that's like kind of like the corporate machine. And he goes in for his first routine prostate exam and it opens up this world of um, having a rectal kink. But then oh. he finds out, he finds out <laughs> that... It, some, somehow his ass will like devour things and wow. he kind of becomes a serial killer of sorts. <laughs> With his ass? Well, like, how do it's, I watch this very... movie? <laughs> Is it like teeth with your butthole? Um, well, he, he, he gets this like obsession of shoving things up his butt. And um, mm. it's like swallow okay. with your butthole. Well, it's funny that you bring up swallow because there is a shot in this movie that is that is like shot for shot the same as the uh, um, the thumbtack in in swallow. Oh, except my god, it's with a uh, a little like I think it's a sorry the sorry uh, characters <laughs> from the board game. Yeah, he's holding that up in front of the camera, and like. It is shot for shot, like the swallow thing. And I was like, oh, this is like swallow. <laughs> Except that like, so he, <laughs> like a serial killer does, he starts off small and then all of a sudden their dog disappears. Oh, wow. Because it got shoved up his butt and then a kid disappears. And that's where I'm starting to go like, okay, this is a little um, awkward. Um, and then it cuts to nine years later and this hard-boiled detective shows up at a uh, AA meeting that this this guy is going to and he the the guy's name's Chip the the guy that with the, the butt boy and he like ah <laughs> uh, yes the up, titular butt boy the titular butt mm -hmm. boy mm -hmm. he, he ends up becoming the sponsor for the detective and the detective starts to piece together what happened 9 years ago and it's like it's it's actually like most of the film is a very slow burn like almost <laughs> detective noir type thing where he's like he he looks like he's channeling robert de niro um the the detective and he's like an alcoholic he his wife left him and like he's struggling with that and he's he is hunting down chip because he gets this idea that chip is shoving things up his butt and it's played very straight for like most of the movie and then it goes completely off the rails um uh, it was a wild watch did you like it uh, yes, I kind of wish it had leaned more into the silliness of it because it like it takes itself deadly seriously through like most of the runtime. I'm run time, so which sorry, is... but how do you take a movie seriously that's called fucking Butt Boy? Right. So like, there's this dichotomy, <laughs> like... this dichotomy between what the movie is like presenting you and what 90 percent of the movie is. Like, it is basically he's a serial killer who can't help himself. Instead of being like an alcoholic, he's obsessed with shoving things up his butt. And for nine years, he'd been okay, and then something like triggers him to start doing it again, and like. It's, so it's it's like a serial killer movie. It's it's like trying to frame itself as like a you know like a '90s um, uh, Fincher or something. You know, it's very drenched in neo and like neo noir, just, neon. And wow, I feel like the marketing department like had a miscommunication <laughs> or some shit. Like it's, because that name, I'm just like it's gonna be just like campy, hilarious, ridiculousness. But now I'm even more interested, which maybe is good. Because I was like, I mean, I got an email about it, and I was like, I don't know, that just seems like too much. But maybe it's not 
too much. Maybe it's enough. Just enough. I was afraid it was going to be a little homophobic. Um, mm. But like, yeah, it's... I was going to ask, is it like, does it lead into that at all? No, not really. Oh. Um, it, I mean, obviously, it's about a married man that's shoving things up his butt. But <laughs> um, sorry, car coming by. Um but yeah, no, it, it definitely doesn't lead into that, uh, which I was I was happy to see. It's just okay. It's it's a wild movie that I just didn't know if I should be laughing at or be ta- or taking seriously through like most of it. And then it has a wild third act. Like I the trend with I you recently, what, huh? What's that trend with you recently? Oh huh? yes. Yes. It I I just it's 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 wild. I mean, I think for the third act alone it's it's worth price of admission. Um it's just it's very Is it out yet? Very weird. Um no, it's it was supposed to come out in theaters um I think next like next week or so and uh now it's coming out on VOD sometime in the middle of April. Um Okay. Do you okay. feel well, like um do you feel like neo noir is like having a big resurgence? I feel like there are a lot of you know, just having gone to um some festivals, it feels like there's like a, a like a kind of big crop of new kind of Indian neo noir films. Yes. Yeah. I, I do I do think so. I think we're seeing it across um across the spectrum like you know there's i think a lot of it has to do with the color pattern all of a sudden like the 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 neon and the the, the interchange between like reds and and purples and stuff is like becoming a big thing and right I, I definitely think people are leaning into it for sure um i've seen a lot of movies that are being called neo-noir recently it seems like and it also feels like there's a lot of neo-noirs focusing on female characters in the middle like Blood on Her Name and A Good mm-hmm. Woman It's Hard to Find are two that yeah. I, I think of, like what I'm thinking right. about, like the, the new neo noirs. And it's been really interesting to see how, like, I know, like, noir is usually so focused on, like, that detective and the femme fatale. Mm-hmm. And now, especially, like, with the past couple of years, it feels like that narrative is being rewritten a little bit, which I think is really interesting and really important and really cool. Yeah, I think it's kind of exciting. I don't know. It's one of my favorite genres. So. Um, yeah, more noir. Yeah, um, I, I think what what hopped out to me recently um, was even like uh, Cold Hell. Have you guys seen that? It's I have on, not actually. It's on Shutter. Have you seen? Yeah, it I have seen it. I have seen it. Yeah, it's like what country is it made in? Uh, I think is it's, it a U.S. One? It's Ger- Germany. German. Yeah. yeah, I think it's German. It's German. Um, but like that's like kind of going back with like the the female direct like female focused uh, neo war that's going on like that. She's kind of like a femme fatale, but it's from her perspective is like cool. kind of like mixing the the kind of like investigative aspect with like a kick ass heroine. It's like not going to take no for an answer. Hell yeah. <clears throat> Fuck yeah. Check that out. Yeah. Um, but I, other than that and playing a shit ton of Animal Crossing, that's all I've been pretty much up yes, to. Yes, Animal Crossing. Uh, I Hell love yeah. it so much. What about you, Mary Beth? Um, so I watched a really good animated horror movie that is out now on VOD oh, yeah. called um, To Your Last Death. It is hmm. um, it is in the style of Archer meets Metalocalypse in terms of like a 2D animation that looks like it's from like, – it just like jumped right out of the comic book page. And it is – it features the voices of Bill Mosley and Ray Wise and – William Shatner and it's just like this crazy like when I met I actually got to interview the director and he called it Saw meets Groundhog Day and basically it's just it's like this crazy this this father um this father who is 
wealthy and runs a weapons, like, he's like a weapons dealer, basically. He calls his children to his massive building to read his will. And instead of giving them inheritance, he doles out punishment to them for all the things they've done to him. And each punishment is like a saw, as something from Saw. Like, there's this horrible thing where it cuts into one of his daughter's flesh and, like, it, she, she bleeds out. And, like, it ha- she has to weigh out a certain number of much, a certain amount of blood. And if she doesn't, she gets her head cut off. Like, it's so weird. But it's also this element of, like, there's a, someone called the Game Master who basically is, like, Game Master for the gods. And they, rewind it because it's not entertaining enough like the game is not entertaining enough so it's like part serial killer weird dad thing and then also like other deities coming in and turning back time to be more entertained and it's really really interesting and it's really good and the animation is really cool and i love animated horror i don't think there's enough of it so that's out on vod right now i really really recommend that one um and then i meant to watch that before we recorded this and i just didn't you know, time, I get to. it. And then I watched The Room on Shutter yesterday. Oh, <laughs> yes, you did. Keola, have you seen the, the Room? I have heard a lot of people talking about this movie. It's one I haven't dug into yet. But uh, to, let's see, what is it about? So basically, um, this couple moves to this giant old house in upstate New York, and they're like they're cleaning the house, and they find this room. That is hidden behind wallpaper, so obviously you know something weird's about to go down. And they open the door, and this room will grant them any wish, like anything they want. And as you do in these kinds of movies, it obviously goes it's like wrong. Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> With a lot of booze and a lot of weird shit. <laughs> um, but basically, they like go crazy for a while and like we quit our jobs, we have all the money in the world, blah 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 blah. And then they find, and they then they make a wish that is like pretty intense, um, and it just like all goes downhill from that one wish. And it's just like it, it, the pacing is weird, the story is weird, everything about it is weird, and I really don't like the message about miscarriage. It's really Oof. strange about like birth and miscarriage and stuff. So it's, I mean, like. If you want to, like, spend an hour and 40 minutes watching something absolutely batshit, like, go for it. But, like, I don't I don't think it's worth the time. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's crazy, but, like, it's not, like, the payoff is not worth the time put into seeing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It goes into some very weird places, which I kind of dug in the third act. But I don't feel like it was set up enough with the characters in the beginning to even to really have much of a payout outside of it being like, hey, look, this is kind of edgy and weird. <laughs> yeah, it was basically like someone wanted to be as weird as they could possibly get without like actually having any idea how it all made sense, like as a narrative. Yeah, wasn't wasn't my cup of tea either. I saw it at uh, at Panic Fest and I was going into it really excited. It's it's something. Um <laughs> It's uh, a movie. <laughs> it it is. Um, but Keola, what have you been watching? Um, like Terry, I have been playing Animal Crossing. My girlfriend's in New Jersey right oh, now. Yeah. Oh so, wow. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, sh- so she bought a Nintendo uh, Switch <laughs> and Animal <laughs> Crossing, so that we could like play Animal Crossing That's amazing. together. Um, and so. Yeah, so it's been uh, it's been very cute and uh, a real kind of like relief. Um, uh, I recently watched this movie called Road Games. 
Have you guys seen this movie? It's from 1981. It's 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 amazing. It's kind of like a serial killer movie. It stars Stacy Keach as like this American truck driver in Australia. He travels around with a dingo, and um, as you do, right? <laughs> he has to, yeah. He has, so he has to deliver this like truckload of meat, uh, and while he's on the road, there's this like serial killer that's operating, um, who's like picking up hitchhikers. Um, and he encounters Jamie Lee Curtis and they try and figure out like who this guy is and, uh, and, uh, you know, they, and if they can stop him from, from killing people, it's, it's amazing. It's really, really good. It, it, it combines a kind of like, uh, suspense and stuff like that with just the, like the corniest, comedy like almost like i don't know like very kind of like cheesy comedy it's like but it's so good it's it's excellent um so i rented that on amazon you guys should check that out it's super worth it i'm really liking the uh um the 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 poster art it's very evocative yes yes yeah i'm gonna have to check this one out yes um so we've talked about what we've been watching now but Let's talk about the movie that you brought with you today, Keola. Oh, yeah. um, what are we talking about tonight? So we're talking about the 1986 film House, uh, which is a film that I watched when I was very young. And re-watching it, I was like, I don't remember any of this stuff. <laughs> There's like very specific. <laughs> there are very specific things, like images or scenes that I remember. But like, man, there's a lot going on in this movie. <laughs> This is a house where no one should live. Someone lived here before you was nuts. Wouldn't be surprised if someone just got fed up and off her. She was my aunt. Heart of gold, though. Roger Cobb has come here alone. ever alone in the house this house knows everything about you leave while you can no it has been waiting for him hi sandy To catch our listeners up in case you haven't seen it or it's been a while like like it was for me, um, House is about Roger Cobb, played by William Catt, who is a Vietnam vet whose career as a horror novelist takes has taken a turn for the worse when his son, Jimmy, mysteriously disappears while visiting his aunt's house. Roger's search for Jimmy destroys his marriage and is, and seems to be on the verge of destroying his writing career. But the sudden death of his aunt brings Roger back to the house where his nightmares began and in order to save himself, he must confront his past. So, like you said, there's a lot of things that you don't remember. But take us back to when you were a kid. What what was it about this movie that that got you? And what was like the the story around you watching this? I so I grew up with three sisters, and 
if I'm, uh, I I checked with <laughs> my sister, but I, I I do believe it was at a sleepover, um, at her friend's house. Her friend's name's uh, Jessica Thorfinson. Jessica, if you're out there, <laughs> you really must be up. Um, <laughs> and they, and um, they put this movie on, and I was just, you know, it, I, this was the first horror movie I'd ever seen, and this was uh, the first. It just. It was the very the very first and would be, I think, maybe for, I don't know, eight or nine years, I had, did not watch a horror movie wow. in between. Um, I, yeah. It, 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 I, the, a, the, a lot of the things that are going on in the story, I just went over my head or just do not recall. The Vietnam stuff, I just was like very surprised <laughs> to find in this film. But uh, the thing that kind of like stuck with me the most is um, is the main character's friend who's like stalking him through the house at the end. Yes. I remembered very distinctly I would have these crazy nightmares where this this um kind of like zombified <laughs> Vietnam soldier <laughs> was chasing me through a house. <laughs> and uh yeah, it was a killer that could be from anything. I don't think I remember the, the, the <laughs> I know. But I I don't, it is kind of weird that I that it was Vietnam, though. I mean, I I don't remember that he was a Vietnam soldier, but I do distinctly remember exactly what he looked like, and I would just wake up screaming. Wow! Um, it was so bad that I had to like go, like I would wake up and then immediately go into my parents' room and crawl into their bed because I was like oh. so freaked out. Um, and yeah, that's uh, why I didn't watch horror movies for a very very long time. So do you, do you remember exactly? Like, was it was it really just uh, Big Ben, or was it was were there other scenes that that kind of like stuck out to you? Because I I I remember very vivid memories of this movie watching it as a kid. So I'm I'm just kind of curious. The other the only other I I I remember the the like wife yes. demon lady. I remember that very distinctly. Um, and being horrified by that. And also, weirdly, the scene where he opens the door and it's on a cliffside. Yes. And he, like, falls out. Uh, that I remembered being weirdly terrified of that. I am super afraid of heights. And so, uh, yeah, those, those were the kind of, like, things that I, I were just kind of, like, brought me all the way back when I watched yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, I, I have a feeling that like, if, if you were a horror, a kid horror fan in the eighties, there's probably a good chance that this was, um, a movie that you remember watching because like, it's, it, it feels inviting enough for kids because like, there's a lot of, you know, giant kind of puppets and it's rated R, but it doesn't feel like a rated R movie. Like, I don't think there's much in the way of swearing and there's really no blood, but like, I, I forgot, like you completely forgot about the Vietnam subtext of this film, or not even subtext. It's like basically text. I remember <laughs> Big Ben and I didn't quite understand why he's in like, uh, uh, like an army outfit, like ch chasing him. And I remember the evil witch who looking back on it kind of sounds like, uh, Zelda Rubenstein sucking on helium. Oh my like, God. Yeah, like You're so right. <laughs> Phenomenal. <laughs> But like there, I I remember, and I remember the Marlin. I remember the Marlin because for some reason, oh yeah, that was very Evil Dead to me. This whole movie felt the whole. I feel like the yeah, the whole That's thing true. feels Evil Dead. The, all the creature design yeah. stuff, um, big Evil Dead vibes. Also like Poltergeist. Yeah. I was watching this. I was like, oh, this movie. Yes, is Yes, I was thinking that. It was like especially um, the way the house is like. like 
I know it's not the same house, but like the house made me think about Poltergeist a little bit. And the way he like dives through the thing and then co- he dives through the mirror and yes. comes out of the swimming pool with his kid. I was just like, this is Poltergeist. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing is like that this film is like co-written by the guy who did Monster yes. Squad, which is a film I did love as a kid. And it, it has that kind of, like this is a pretty much a comedy like the neighbors played by George Wendt, who I could not remember his name in the movie. So I just kept calling him Norman in my notes. Norm. <laughs> exactly. Which fit really well because I kept calling him noise in, uh, nosy uh, neighbor Norm because that's all yeah. I can remember because he's yeah, exactly. he's that like that like nosy um, older woman that like you see in horror movies a lot that's like watching the house with like a hawk but he desperately wants to be in this movie he just keeps like tagging along with everyone I know he yeah I, I, from the very beginning he's like oh what are you doing you want to come over for dinner bring your whole family oh it's just you like come over we'll just be dudes together it's like. Guy, like, why are you so right. alone? What's what is going, going on, on over here? here? What's better than this? Guys being dudes. <laughs> but, um, I, so the neighbors themselves, like, okay, so we have Tan- Tanya, Tanya, who I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. was dubbed over. Like, there, at least in the version I watched, there is some oh, ADR going on. Um, <laughs> it reminded me of, like, watching an Italian, like, Italian horror movie from yeah. that time period. But, like, She's introduced coming out of his, like, swimming pool? Like, does this what neighbors do? I've never lived next to a neighbor that had swimming pools. But is this what people do? They just sort of get in people's pools? I guess in the 80s. I don't... <laughs> yeah. I think he first sees her jogging by. Oh, I forgot like, about that. He's wearing... I don't know if you remember... I, I only, I deeply recall this from watching it this time because he's wearing the deepest oh my v-neck God. sweater with no shirt on underneath. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I, was just like, I was like, this is, this is such a choice. Um, <laughs> that and his perm. Uh, yeah. I mean, this, this character is so weird. So it's like, he sees her jogging by. They have like a, a moment, I guess. I think she's maybe taken with his, his perm or whatever. And then she's just <laughs> swimming in uh, his aunt's pool. And then she comes back again so he can okay. get That was fucking wild. So I was strange. like, who does this? Who does this? It's so, it's so, so like, strange. Recap, so she shows up to this guy's house mm-hmm. that she's only met once, who had the cops yes. called on, on him just a bit ago for discharging a shotgun is acting completely bonkers mm-hmm. while she's there. And sure, let's just leave my kid with him. Where yes. is she yeah. going? That she's leaving her well, kid my with this guy? Like, you look like Where you want to play. Going? And I'm like, ooh. And oh. it was like, with my child. And I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. I was like, this is annoying. And she kisses him on the mouth. Like, <laughs> she's like, thank you, you're so nice. And then kisses yeah. him on the mouth. I'm like, what? Who are you? That's how they do it in her country, I think. <laughs> Which may be Iceland. I, I'm not sure where this actress is She's from. She's from Sweden. I looked it up because I was wondering, because I was, I was curious why she had to be, like, so severely dubbed. But Yeah, it feels like such a trope to have, like, a, like a Swedish uh, bathing suit model be in the film. It made me think of Married with Children and how they would always talk about, like, Swedish bikini <laughs> girls or something like that. Yeah. And I was like... <laughs> I was like, I was like, this is such a thing. Like, you know, it feels like 
um, a, a very old kind of like, thankfully, uh, left in the past archetype, but like, it feels like maybe people in 1986 would be like, oh yeah, the, the like, <laughs> the Swedish bikini neighbor. You're like, all right, I guess. So. I guess, I guess so. so. Terry, how uh, old were you when you saw this movie for the first time? You know, I was trying to think of that and I, I don't know. I, I know I was living in Alaska, so I had okay. to be, I had to be somewhere between like, I would say six and ten, maybe. So probably around the same time, I saw a bunch of these uh, okay. rated R horror movies that I probably should never have seen. Um, I, I don't remember, and I, I, I'm tr- I've been trying to think if if I remember being scared about it. Like I definitely remember. I, I remember certain things, like the Big Ben at the very end, and I remember the the, the overweight kind of zombie wife thing mm-hmm. that like she just sort of leans up after mm-hmm. you know coming leaning down and leaning up and it's this other thing yeah but like i don't remember if i was scared of this movie or not actually and you had never seen it before right mary beth no i hadn't um yesterday was the first time i've ever seen it and i really really liked it actually um i had seen the like the poster's iconic like i've known about the poster but i also got this and Hausu, um the japanese film mixed up all the time um very different (laughs) vibes very different vibes (laughs) But yes. I got to mix up all the time because a lot of the time, like, mm-hmm. House was translated to House. And I was like, are mm-hmm. these the same movie? And I realized they were not. But I just had never seen it. But I, I mean, I was kind of expecting, like, cheesy. And actually, it's a very interesting look at trauma and the after effects of trauma and PTSD and, like, personification of that. And I was very surprised and very delighted that, like, I feel like trauma and mental health stuff and horror... Especially like, like early, I mean, like 80s, 70s, 90s horror, it's like not always handled the best, but this was a really poignant look at PTSD. And I was very, I was very pleasantly surprised. Yeah, that flew over my head as a child. I would expect, because I feel like if I saw this movie as a kid, I'd be like, what the shit is he doing in this jungle? Like, I have no fucking idea that has to do with anything. I would just be terrified of, like, the monster coming out of the closet. Like, that would have, I guarantee you, if I saw this as a kid, the the creepy giant thing coming out of the closet would have scarred me for life. Because I was already terrified of my closet. Like, I... Boogeyman 100% real. So that would have just like driven me to the edge, probably. (laughs) It's kind of interesting because I think this director, his first two films were the first two Friday the 13th sequels. Oh, interesting. And so he definitely is coming. He's definitely coming from that place of horror. And I, I feel like a lot of the scares are good. Like there are some really like good scares in the film. So you kind of feel that. Um, um, but yeah, but then, you know, halfway through the film, there's like a very weird music cue after he uh, kills the like yes, demon Yes, I was like, what is happening? Why is this playing all of a sudden? What just like, is the song again? Oh, that's, uh, it's yes, like, you're no good. Yes, 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 yes. It plays again under the credits. <laughs> and you're just like, what is the tone of this movie? It's so it strange. It is so strange. I was like, is this a comedy or is it scary? It's kind of sad at points, but I'm kind of laughing at some of this stuff. And I'm not really sure what's supposed to be happening, but I'm enjoying it. But it's very weird. I'll tell you, the part that like had me laughing so hard, though, was uh, was when he was uh, babysitting Robert. And he's like, want something else to play with? How about a nice plastic bag? Right? I was like... <laughs> Dude, what the shit? You had you had a kid, like you know how to interact with children. Uh, I thought that was hilarious. A nice plastic bag. And why does he not? Why does he not leave the house after seeing the first uh, monster? 
You know, that is, Why does that he is stay? an excellent question because like, he just keeps pretending like nothing's happening and he's like, I'm just going to go back to writing my book. <laughs> I, I don't know. Do you remember the title? Do you remember the title of his book? It's like, what was it like? I wrote it down. It's, it's, it's one man's story, a, colon, a personal <laughs> account of the Vietnam War. Yes. It's just like, my friend, this is why nobody wants you to write this. This is your title for your Vietnam right. story? One man's story? I actually really loved um, when he's, when he's at the book signing and like the camera's like focused in on all the faces. Oh man, so interesting. So yeah, funny. Yeah, like all these people are just like leering over the camera. Uh <laughs> I thought that was really that cut is so great because it's like right up into that crazy lady's yeah. face. And you're like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. And That's I great. also really enjoyed uh, Norm when when he's like talking about the woman who lived here before you was nuts. Biggest bitch <laughs> under the sun. Just a senile old hag, really. She right. was my aunt. Right. Right. Heart of gold, though. <laughs> just a saint, really. <laughs> then he ends by saying she looked really good for her age she's like what like that's how i want people to talk about my aunt <laughs> exactly I-, <laughs> I was actually talking so i was talking today about this yesterday and how i actually this movie um kind of reminded me a little bit of the girl on the third floor mm-hmm. Keel- have you seen, you seen it I, I have not seen it yet. It's I have mo- not seen it it's yet. It's on my list. It's like the design of the house and how it's like a guy goes into a house alone to like fix it up and then weird stuff starts happening. I mean, like they're both tonally and like thematically pretty different, but they have a very similar vibe in terms of like setup and like man against ghost that I thought was very interesting. And like, I feel like mm-hmm. that it had to have been an inspiration for the girl on the third floor, I think. But yeah. You know, you know. You know what it reminded me of, and this might be weird, but the 2019 remake of The Grudge. Did you guys watch this movie? Yes, I saw it recently. I mean, uh, so in that movie, it's like uh, there's this house that's haunted. And at the end, they have to like burn down the house to get to like get free of the haunting. And um, the characters are all plagued by like ghosts from the traumas of the past. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, this feels like the grudge to me. You know, another movie that like came to mind immediately. Um, the, one of the scenes that I still think is really creepy. I'm like, what the fuck was that? Was when the two creepy kid monsters steal Robert and pull him into like yes. the room. And then like <laughs> they pull him up the chimney. I'm like, this is giving me Krampus vibes of like yes. the Jiminy, the, uh, the gingerbread man, like pulling the kid up and they're like grabbing on his leg and they keep pulling him up the chimney. That's what it was reminding me a lot of. I Yeah, it, it's a big <laughs> what the fuck moment because it feels like, you know, we're, like I, figuring out the logic of the monsters of, of this movie is kind of crazy. Because you're just like, who are these little demon kids right. or whatever? And again, he pulls the kid out of the chimney. And instead of like being like, oh, you should not be stolen by monsters that are obviously haunting his house. <laughs> okay. He just gives him a bath. <laughs> it, felt like, it felt like the editing was out of sequence like, or something. It, it was just like, wait, all of a sudden they're in the bath and the kid is fine? Like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, I would have been screaming. Like, how is that kid just like, okay. Like, they're very it, nonchalant it about so the horrible weird. things that are happening to them. Like, such a weird, like, tonal jump from this horrific thing happening to like, we're just in the bath throwing the sponge at each other. Like, What? In my mind, I was like, I guess the kid got dirty in the chimney. I, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, I guess. I, 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 I didn't yeah. know why he would be like, there are actual monsters. Well, and, 
I guess yeah, something exactly. that, like, maybe I am just not viewing the movie correctly. I was a little bit confused that, like, I guess the cause of all of this is Big Ben, the the demon ghost of his past. But then, like, mm-hmm. what was everything else? Just, like, part of that and just, like, torturing him because of that? Like, minions of this Big Ben figure or... But I, I had the, I had the vibe that it was happening before that though, because his aunt was saying the house was haunted. Right. The, I don't think, uh, <laughs> I don't think it's the way you're watching the film. I think the film is just uh, super confusing yeah. about that. You know, there's a part where, I mean, there's a part where you know they they have a flashback where uh, the main character's kid goes missing and they're talking to the cops and the aunt's just like the house yeah. took it and you're like, you're like what? Cool. yeah that's exactly <laughs> it they're gonna buy that and then I guess they and then I guess they never spoke of it again or they didn't be like hey what do you mean the house took the kid you know what I mean like just you know whatever and she's just like kind of smiling right. about it. Well, and like, then the wife the goes, heck? shut up, you old bag. And she goes, someone's <laughs> sensitive. I was like, really? <laughs> Her kids like, were missing. <laughs> that's, an, that's an interesting reaction to that, I suppose. So one of the things that I, I did realize or that like stuck out to me a lot on this viewing was I kept staring at these puppets because they reminded me of this movie called The Boneyard. Have you guys ever seen The Boneyard? No, I have not. From 1995. I have not. It's um it's a movie that utilizes like a bunch of zombie puppets including like um a giant zombie um poodle. <gasps> um, Fuck yeah. <laughs> it's, yes. it's 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 batshit. Yes. It is so much fun it's a little racist uh, <laughs> as the way that oh. they are in like 80s and 90s um oh my god mm-hmm. but like listen the the film that this director made right after this is a film called soul man about a guy who does blackface in order to get into college oh, so. oh he directed that movie <laughs> oh God, I talked about Soul Man in one of my grad school classes and how it was just like a horrifically tone deaf situation that no one should ever have made. (laughs) But but I bring up the bone here because uh, it turns out that the the creature design of this movie is the guy that would go on to direct Boneyard. In the nineties, and the puppets are the are the same kind of like whimsical child nightmare type feel to them and i think that's i think it's it's really i really i really recommend the boneyard even even with some of the you just got to realize it's a product of its time the poodle zombie is truly amazing looking amazing amazing and the, the puppetry in it is 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 so much you can tell that like he was just getting started with this with this movie with house um i thought they were really impressive too the puppets yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. It's one of the only things that like really imprinted on my mind as a kid. Yeah. I just remember the puppetry. Yeah, I guess I was like, I didn't, because I didn't know much about House um, before I saw it, and so I didn't realize how much amazing, like, practical creature stuff was going to be in it. I was so impressed and just like entranced by like the creepy thing in the closet, and the demon kids, and the zombie wife, like, and the hand that kept coming back, <laughs> her creepy, <laughs> hand. like, long clawed hand. <laughs> It was like attached to the kid's back, and then he bit it off because it wouldn't let go. <laughs> he bites it off and then flushes okay. it down the toilet. I was waiting for it to crawl back up out of the toilet because that would have been great. But also, oh, when, when he ghoulies. meets the neighbor and she's like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "Digging a hole." <laughs> a big hole. I can see. Oh my that. god! Digging a big hole, and you're like, "I mean, I guess you're not lying." 
And she's like, is it a sapling or something? And it's like, that's definitely a sapling. Just yeah. that giant body-shaped yeah. tarp. It's like, I start talking about this movie seriously and like how much I liked it, and then it goes down into the comedy. It's so funny. I'm like, yeah, this movie was so cool. And then I'm like, and it was ridiculous. <laughs> but Yes, that's kind of one of the enjoyable yeah, things about it, though. I would say yeah. so. I do think that we're missing the scariest moment of this movie, though, and that is when the beginning of the movie, Roger decides it's a smart idea to put a TV dinner in its box in the microwave for 30 fucking minutes. Holy shit! I just, like, completely <laughs> missed that. He puts it, he just throws it in, in its he box, not, not even taken out of its box, and he puts 30 fucking minutes on the timer. In a microwave. Oh, my God. You know, <laughs> technology back then. Like you do. Yeah, very weak, weak microwaves. microwaves. We've come a long way. Very powerful long, freezers. Long Next was very, very <laughs> weak microwaves. Must have been like a block of ice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, uh, so do we want to talk about our final words on, on house? Yeah. So, Terry, um... How many wriggling Marlins out of five do we give House? And what are your final thoughts on it now? You know, when I was a kid, this was probably like a four or five star movie because of like all the practical effects and the puppetry. Um, I would say it's probably about a three or three and a half now. Um, okay. I, I do think the, the puppets are a lot of fun. Um, I, I think the pacing is a little weird in, in parts. And I, I do think that it's kind of overshadowed with what Evil Dead 2 will do in a couple of years after this movie's released. Yeah. Um, but I think it's, I think it's a lot of fun and I have a lot of nostalgia to it. What about you, Mary Beth, as someone that didn't have that nostalgia? I want to give it three and a half Wriggling Marlins out of five. I really enjoyed, I enjoyed it way more than I was expecting. I think it is actually a really fascinating examination of PTSD. Mm-hmm. And I really loved the practical effects. And I was much more emotionally invested in it and kind of made me sad more than I was expecting. So I really appreciated that ability to both be silly, but also make me feel very invested in his journey as a character. So, yeah. Um, all right, Kiola, you have the final word. What's your rating? And what are your final thoughts on House? I mean, I, I, have, I have such a checkered uh, past in this <laughs> film. I want to I say that um, <laughs> for the general public, especially if you're familiar with these kinds of films, maybe two. Oh. For me, it was a five. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Just because I, 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 I think it's interesting to think about, like, where films especially when you're going back and revisiting older films where they lie in the kind of like timeline of, of, uh, you know, in the context of other films. And, um, I think you got to check it out to see the amazing, like practical effects and the, the creature designs and stuff like that. It totally, it's all over the place. The logic of the film is broken. Maybe. <laughs> put it lightly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but there, you know, there's a moment where you're like, this guy is being haunted by the ghost of his friend because he refused to cut his friend's throat in Vietnam. This is so crazy. Like, it's, it's, it's definitely worth watching. Yeah, it's dark. Um, it's, it's really fucking yeah. dark. Like, the traumas behind it are, are so dark. It's dark and also yes. it is a little bit. Yeah. It definitely yeah. is. <laughs> so you're haunting me because I didn't kill you. <laughs> All right. Well, um, 
thank you so much for Carola for joining us to talk about House. Um, where can your listeners find you, and what do you have coming up you'd like to share? Um, I mean, I'm on Twitter. I don't really tweet a lot, uh, but I'm just on there. Um, so. <laughs> You, you can join the like one 100 people that follow me and like the 200 like porn bots that have followed me since uh, our film our film came yeah, to which sounds where I'm just I have to say thank you because I have gotten a lot of hits for people searching gay porn <laughs> has shown up in my site so thank yeah. you for that yeah 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 I'll be like oh I have a new follower and then it's like the user pick is always just like some wildly pornographic oh, yeah. image um so so. <laughs> feel free to uh follow me uh on twitter where i will sometimes be like i don't know tweeting out youtube links to songs like yeah yeah yes what's what's your is your is your your handle just your name yeah it's kaola Rosella. um and uh yeah our film comes out on vod uh may 8th and then it'll be on shutter i think sometime in september um but definitely it's available to pre-order on uh, iTunes and I think very soon uh, Amazon. So I will tweet out uh, a link to that. And also, if you follow Fangoria, they're... they're uh, oh my gosh, I love it. put the trailer on Pornhub. Oh my gosh. I love that they did that. <laughs> yes. Have, do, have you seen the little graphic they have? For yes, yes. Browser it's history? fucking hysterical. Yes. I, I'm I'm in love with the people at Fangoria. Uh, They're so awesome, and they, you know they've been nothing but but great. So we're you know super excited That's to be working awesome. with them. Hell yeah! Um, so listeners, you've heard from us, but we want to hear from you. What was your experience with House? Send us an email at scarredforlifepodcast at gmail or you can reach out to us directly on Twitter. Um, follow us at Scarred Podcast. You can also follow Terry and I. On Twitter, I am at MB McAndrews. And I'm at Gailey Dreadful. And like I said, make sure to follow us on Twitter and keep the conversation going. And please don't forget to review, rate, and subscribe if you like what we're doing. Please. Uh, thank you to Steve Barnold for our artwork. Thank you to Sean Keller for our amazing music. And thank you to everyone for listening. Please stay safe out there. And most importantly, stay creepy. And until next time. powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. What is The Briefing Room? It's a behind-the-scenes look at how the criminal justice system works and the lives of the people within that system. If you love true crime, well, these are the real people who do the job every day of making sure justice is served. Hi, I'm Detective Dave. I'm Detective Dan. Together, we have decades of experience in local law enforcement, a profession that we think is often misunderstood. So we're going to explore how to do it right, and we won't shy away from when it's done wrong. These are stories you'll hear nowhere else. Unique, frank, and unvarnished. From the team that brought you Small Town Dicks, this is The Briefing Room. Episode 1 drops on August 30th.
We'll meet you in the briefing room. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. <laughs>